Welcome to the Exit Coach Radio Show, the show for baby boomer business owners who are looking for cutting-edge information as they plan their 3- to 10-year business succession and exit. Every week, we interview top professional advisors for their best tips, strategies, and precautions so you can be well-planned. And don't miss our one-minute Exit Coach Tip of the Day on ExitCoachRadio.com. And now, here's your host, the Exit Coach, Bill Black. Welcome. Thanks so much for joining us today. Uh, if you've ever listened to uh, news shows, uh, you've probably heard of my next guest. He is Ask Dr. Jerry. And uh, Dr. Jerry Kornfeld talks on uh, groups like Vistage, talks to groups like Vistage uh, International. Uh, he's on TV. He talks on cruise ships. He talks to boomers and seniors all over the place. He's got some great topics that he loves to talk about. One of them is called Living to 100 with Quality, and the other one is called Dr. Smartphone. We'll see you now. We've had the, I've had the privilege of talking to him on several different topics over the last few years, and uh, he's, he's very concerned today. We're going to talk about what he's concerned about, and I hope you have a notepad available and you can take some notes uh, because it's going to be a very interesting doc, uh, conversation. Dr. Jerry, welcome. Thank you, Bill. Uh, great to be back with you. Great to be with you. Thanks so much for joining us. You know, I, I know that we've talked about so many different topics, and you're out talking to seniors all the time about how they can be healthy and vital uh, and have a, a quality of life. But there's something that's bothering you, and uh, we want to talk about that today. So tell us what's on your mind. No question about it. I am frustrated. I've been out there in this world practicing medicine for many years, and I've seen our number one killer, heart disease, continue to be our number one killer. And what frustrates me so much, Bill, is that people over the world, especially your audience, such an intelligent audience of business leaders, etc., who are planning for their exit from whatever they're doing into going into another uh, retirement world or whatever, their number one asset is going to be their health. Without that, they're not going to be able to prove forward. And heart disease, our number one killer, is in most cases a self-inflicted disease, and that's what frustrates me so much. I, I wrote my book, Your 100-Year Heart, because I was so frustrated seeing my young patients dying from heart disease when I knew it could have been prevented. And so my goal right now, and I'm going to use your show as the kickoff for my new mission, my goal right now is to get that statistic down so it is no longer our number one killer. And there's no question we can do it. We are in control of this disease. If only we will pay attention. Everybody has heard about the cholesterol. Everybody has heard about the things that are involved. But people just go on with their lives and because they don't think it's going to happen to them until it happens to a celebrity. I mean, there's not a, a week that goes by or a month or whatever that people don't hear about some famous person dying of a heart attack. doesn't have to happen, Bill. And my goal yep. now is to try and do something about this statistic. Well, Dr. Jerry, why do you think that heart disease is still our number one killer? Well, I don't think there's any question about it, Bill, and I think I just sort of alluded to a little bit of that. Most people do not pay attention because it is something that they don't want to even think about it, and we've been programmed to lead a lifestyle that is, in fact, the major contributor. There's just no question that lifestyle controls your destiny. And as you mentioned, I talked to lots of senior groups. Uh, the talk is titled Living to 100 with Quality. 
And the secret to living to 100 with quality is proven over and over again by research, by statistical papers, by major centers like Harvard. The number one, one factor is your lifestyle. And that's identical with heart disease. So we have been programmed to eat certain foods. We are programmed to lead a certain type of life. We are programmed to relate to various things. And we're all conditioned responders. We're all Pavlov's dog. Remember Pavlov's dog? You rang the bell. And he salivated. Well, it's the same thing. We have not and we will not change for some reason until it affects our life. And then rapidly we will change. And I've seen this over and over again. Young men have heart attacks. We do CPR. We resuscitate them. We bring them back to life. They get discharged from the hospital. They smoke two packs of cigarettes a day, and they say, Doc, I'm done. Never smoke again. Three months later, they're back smoking. The conditioning is something that's hard to change, but we've got to change it. We've got to change it. And so, you know, uh, you're right. Things have to change, and I think a lot of people are feel like they're on this, this – uh, treadmill this rat race that they they're running and there's just no time to do some very simple things for changing but it's it's really what uh what goes in your mouth what you do with your we talked about this before what you do with your feet how you you know how you move your body uh how you deal with stress what are some of the other contributing factors are those the main three well, the, the, major, the major three, I try to summarize this because it can get confusing, and people walk away from my talks. I mean, I cover a lot of materials. So I try to leave them with three simple things that absolutely will impact your longevity and your health. Number one, and you mentioned these three, number one is exercise. Now, when I talk about exercise, I'm not talking about going to join a gym. I'm not talking about going out and running marathons or getting involved in, in, in long-range running. I'm talking about simply walking. There's just no question that just 30 minutes a day of walking will satisfy the criteria for exercise. Number two, the food you put in your mouth. You've got to realize that those foods play a significant role, and people just won't pay attention to it. We've got statistics now that clearly indicate something called sudden cardiac death. People get a heart attack and die has been studied over hundreds and hundreds of patients over the years uh, through the Nurses' Health Study and other groups. And Harvard published a paper, and they showed dramatically that one simple thing can alter the sudden cardiac death statistic. A lot of people don't want to hear what I'm going to say. A lot of people in this industry don't want to hear what I'm going to say. But unfortunately, this is a statistic. I'm just the messenger. I'm not the instigator. But red meat was the major factor in the incidence of sudden cardiac death demonstrated by this Harvard study. And people can go look this up. It's all online. So exercise, the food you put in your mouth, and number three, and boy, I feel so strongly about this one, your attitude. Those with a positive attitude always do better. I don't care what illness you have, what diagnosis you've been given, how serious it may sound. Your positive attitude is going to play a role over and over through the years. I've seen patients with diagnosis of terminal illnesses do better than patients with the same diagnosis. I've seen patients outlive their prognosis. And when I went back to look at them to see what the commonality was, those who had a positive attitude always did better. So I asked my colleagues, fellow physicians, I said, in your career, have you seen patients who have been given three, six months to live 
still alive five years later, and they all said they've seen it, absolutely. What was the common trait? Those who had a positive attitude always do better. I don't care what the diagnosis. So the summary, exercise, the foods you put in your mouth, and your attitude are the key to lifestyle change. Now, there are other things. Cigarette smoking, of course, plays a role. Um, it's a very interesting thing how we have decreased cigarette smoking a little bit in our society, but we're still, we're still a major, major uh, cigarette provider. So your blood pressure has to be controlled. If you have diabetes, these are all things that you and your doctor can deal with. We used to be a lot more concerned about family history than we are now. Even though genes still play a role, we used to think genes was the predominant role. But now we're putting genes and a family history in the statistical category about a 20% role. The other 80% is your lifestyle. And the reason we've done that is because we now realize that the DNA that controls your genes can be altered with lifestyle change. So if you can alter your DNA, you can alter your genes, lifestyle again becomes the key, key factor. And then we have obesity. And the last one of what we call the risk factors is your abdominal waist size. Now this is a recently uh, new one added to the list. But the abdominal waist size is very significant. I'm going to quote some statistics today. I hope some of the listeners uh, can write these down. But men, if your waist is below 37 inches, that is almost a negative, negative meaning and not an important risk factor. But if your waist is over 40 inches, it becomes a high risk factor for heart disease. So risk factors, men, below 37, good. Over 40, bad. Women, below 31, good. Over 35, bad. So there, those are the risk factors. Those are the simple things that everybody listening to this show today can directly have an effect on and have a direct impact on their chances of having a heart attack. That's why I'm frustrated. It's not that complicated. It's not when you put it that way. No, if it's, uh, if it's walking 40 minutes a day and avoiding red meat, uh, is, is any red meat allowed, or do you, do you think every, all red meat is bad, period? It's a, yeah, the statistic they did, this, this came from the Nurses' Health Study, which is a 28-year survey, and the, uh, and the men they did on uh, the Medical Professional Survey, which is a 24-year study, they just looked at their dietary habits. They looked at all the things they did uh, in their life, and they just reported those who ate red meat had a higher incidence of sudden cardiac death. And by cutting red meat out of their diet, they were able to decrease significantly the incidence of the sudden cardiac death, you know, the heart attack and your diet type of thing. But they didn't go into specific. Uh, they just talked about red meat. And, again, this is all from Harvard, and you can Google Harvard red meat study, and you'll see uh, all the details of the study. Okay, and is this does is it because the red meat creates the cholesterol? Let's talk about the cholesterol uh, information that's out there that says you know cholesterol cholesterol is a problem or it isn't a problem. I'm confused about that part. Okay, well that's that's because a lot of information, a lot of bad information has come out recently by people who are trying to promote something. Remember, information now, especially on a computer, is very, very easy to come by. So all kinds of people are trying to sell a product. 
if you get some information where somebody tells you that they've got a cure for a certain disease, and they go on and talk about that disease, etc., but the end of the whole talk was they've got a product that they're trying to sell, be very, very careful. We talked about evidence-based. The evidence still strongly supports that cholesterol is a elevated cholesterol is a major risk factor. Now, with the red meat, we're talking about a type of fat called a saturated fat. There's good fat, there's bad fat. Saturated fat, by definition, is any fat that is a solid at room temperature. Well, red meat is obviously very, very tender if it's highly marbled. That is saturated fat. Unsaturated fat, which is the good fat, the fat we want you to have in your diet, by definition, is a liquid at room temperature. So, mazola oil, canola oil, those types of things is what we want you to have. But as far as total cholesterol is concerned, we are concerned about plaque. Plaque is the material, very fatty substance, that deposits in the walls of your coronary arteries that blocks the flow of blood. And the analogy that I give is your common garden hose. You have a hose, you've been watering your plants for years with that hose, all of a sudden you turn the water on and hardly any water comes out. Right away you're suspicious, there's something blocking the hose, so you, you cut it off and sure enough it's filled with crud. You go buy a new hose and you can work. Well, the same thing happens with your arteries. At birth, they're wide open. And by being wide open, they're able to transmit all the blood, and that's the blood because blood carries the oxygen. But as the saturated fat, and that's primarily saturated because of the cholesterol, deposits in the walls of the artery, it becomes part of the substance we call plaque. So just visualize your hose when you cut it open and you saw all that crud blocking the flow. Visualize your arteries as that hose, and when you look in the middle of it, you see this plaque there. Now, one of the things I hear frequently, well, I'm too young to worry about plaque. Well, in Vietnam, they studied young soldiers who were killed in combat, 18 to 20 years of age, at autopsy. And what did they find? Their coronary arteries were loaded with plaque. So this process starts young. Ladies and gentlemen in the audience, I strongly urge, if you have teenage children at home, to get a baseline cholesterol study done, just to see if they do have the potential, uh, because of genetics and their liver making a lot of cholesterol, of this plaque formation. And let me tell you, the cholesterol only comes into your body two ways. You either eat it or you make it in your liver. If you're one of the lucky people who can eat all the fat they want and their cholesterol does not go up, well, you're very fortunate because genetically your liver is not making that much. Majority of people don't have that good fortune. One other thing about cholesterol, I don't want to get this confusing, but we have the so-called good and the bad cholesterol. The good cholesterol is what we call the high-density component, the HDL. Again, you should write this down. You want your HDL, the good cholesterol, to be above 50. The bad cholesterol, the LDL, the low-density, you want that to be below 100. Now, these numbers, just what I grabbed out of the air, these numbers have come from repeated studies by the American Heart Association, American College of Cardiology, a group in Massachusetts called the Framingham study, all demonstrating that people whose numbers are a 
above what I've just described have a greater incidence of heart disease. So, yes, to answer your question, Bill, we still are very concerned about elevated cholesterol, but we're more concerned about elevations of the LDL, the low density. We want that to be below 100, and we want your HDL, which is the good cholesterol, to be below 50. And by the way, one of the reasons that exercise is so powerful is because it is a way to raise your HDL. Good cholesterol, you raise with exercise. And one more little uh, piece of information for those of you who like an occasional glass of wine. Well, the study has shown another way of raising the HDL is with a glass of wine. And we're not talking about abusing it, but a glass of wine, one drink per day, one glass of beer will raise your HDL. Now, I'm not trying to tell people to become alcoholics. If you don't drink, I'm not telling you about drink. I guess again, the messenger. The two ways to get your HDL up, exercise and some alcohol. Hmm. Okay. Well, that's great information to know. Um, I'll remember that tonight. Um, and right. uh, now, now, you know, we've heard a lot about things like fish oil. Um, and I know you've been a strong promoter of fish oil in the past. But uh, I've read recently that it's really not that beneficial. What, what, what's your take on that? Okay, yeah, there have been some studies that have come out. And when you look at these studies, uh, you have to realize that all studies, uh, statistics can be altered and changed by the author of the program. So studies can be very confusing. And confusing for us as doctors also. So we have to go back and really review closely what they're studying. But I'll tell you this, as of now, American College of Cardiology and American Heart Association are still promoting the omega-3s in your diet. Those are what we call the antioxidants. Now, the reason we recommended fish oils, even if you recall in the past, I told you the best way to get omega-3 is through the food you eat. And the best food for that is fish. And the best fish for that is salmon, because it's the highest in fat and therefore the highest in omega-3s. So I recommend it. But people come to me and say, hey, doc, I really don't like fish. Can I get my omega-3s from uh, fish oil capsules? The answer is yes, you can. So I prefer you get it from food. I prefer you get all your omega-3s from food. But if you don't want to eat the food, then fish oil is the best substitute. It's not the best way to get it but it certainly is a substitute for the food. Now, uh, Dr. Jerry, we're, we're rolling right into the 4th of July weekend here. You realize that. So we're talking about, uh, you know, avoiding red meat. What are some alternatives for people that are good for them? You mentioned uh, fish is a good alternative. Is anything but, uh, it, uh, you know, it, are there other things that are just stay away from on the grill if you can't have a cheeseburger or a, or a steak? Yeah, well, you know, I, I, I'm, a, I'm a realist, and I realize that there are a lot of people who love a steak. And so I say, well, you know, you've got to be sort of philosophical about life anyway. We're all sort of visitors here, um, and there are people who get pleasure from a steak. So I say, well, you know, I want to take away your pleasures. What I'm suggesting to you, if you really feel strongly about red meat, that, okay, have a steak, but just decrease the frequency of it. Don't have it three or four times a week. I would cut it down to once a month. I know a lot of people are meat lovers, but again, remember, there's a health risk. The foods that I strongly urge are the foods that are in what we call the Mediterranean diet. Over and over again, the diet, Mediterranean diet, has been proven to be the healthiest diet. And that is a diet that is made up 
protein sources, primarily fish or poultry, and uh, beans, a very, very high source of protein. Uh, that's the diet. Now, when it comes to the poultry, chicken or turkey, we strongly urge the breast of the chicken or the breast of the turkey, not the dark meat because that is high in fats, and mm-hmm. skin off. So skinless, the chicken fat clean because, you know, chickens are loaded with saturated fat, uh, and, again, the turkey and the breast. But there are vegetable ways, again, of substituting for protein, too, and beans is, is one of them. So the diet, the, the Mediterranean diet, is primarily a diet that is fish, fruits, vegetables, salads, nuts, great source of omega-3s, great source of protein is nuts, and beans. And all this stuff is all available. The whole diet, again, you can just Google the Mediterranean diet, and it'll show you all the foods. But it is a diet that is primarily, primarily high in fish, fruits, vegetables, and salad. So, Dr. Jerry, uh, back to the, the uh, discussion about sudden, sudden cardiac death and, of course, people that uh, we, I think by now we all know people that have just dropped. You know, that's just, it's just right. horrible. But uh, I don't know, uh, do we know if there were any warning signs leading up to that for them? Was it a chest pain? Was there a shortness of breath? Were they tired? Uh, do, do, we, do we have any any indicators that people that might be listening should say, you know, I better go see somebody because this has been happening and I don't want that to happen to me. Yes, yes, absolutely, Bill. I'll go back first to risk factors. What I say to to people who come to me and say, well, my father died at uh, 48 of a heart attack. Does that mean I'm going to die at 48 of a heart attack? I I I said previously, we've changed our feeling on the rule of lifestyle. But what I say is this, if you have a strong family history, identify your risk factors as young as you can, alter your risk factors, and you'll automatically decrease the chance of sudden cardiac death. And again, the risk factors that I gave you, and I'll do them fast, cholesterol, HDL, LDL, smoking, lack of exercise, elevated blood pressure, diabetes, obesity, or a big abdomen. Any of those are clues that you've got to do something about it. We now have, by the way, come up with something called the metabolic syndrome, and it sort of shortens uh, the history. Metabolic syndrome, of all the things that I just listed, if you have three out of five of them, you're going to have an increased risk for a heart attack, also increased risk for a stroke. So the metabolic syndrome talks about elevated blood pressure, diabetes, dietary changes, the saturated fat on your diet, and hypertension. So if you have hypertension, you're diabetic, you're obese, and you have elevated cholesterol, you're in the metabolic syndrome, and that is where the highest incidence of cardiac death occurs. As far as symptoms are concerned, there are a lot of symptoms. The the classic symptom of an acute heart attack refers to pain in the left side of your chest, that refers to the left shoulder and down to the left arm. That is the classic. That is sometimes associated with shortness of breath, sometimes associated with severe fatigue. But not everybody has classic signs. And we talk about women having atypical signs, women just having some back pain, 
some minor pain in their arm. I'll tell you, Bill, my philosophy is very simple. If you're a patient of mine and you call me at uh, 1 o'clock in the morning and say, Dr. Kornfeld, I'm worried. I've got some soreness in my left shoulder. Should I worry about that? I say, you know what? I agree that that could be a symptom. And to me, the best way for you to deal with that is to get it checked out. I would rather you go to the ER and they tell you it's nothing than you not go to the ER and have a heart attack. So I recommend if you are concerned, get it checked out. I know a lot of people are going to say, well, every time I get a pain in my side, the only way to answer your question is that you can have minimal symptoms and have a heart attack. Mm-hmm. So if there's any question in your mind, especially if you have a family history, especially if you have any of the risk factors I've described, I would check it out. But the classic sign are the left, and it's sort of a crushing pain, too. People describe it often as somebody sitting on their chest. It's that severe pain. And it's going into your left shoulder and down your left arm. Dr. Jerry, you always give us great advice to live by, and uh, you are also available, again, to speak to groups as well as uh, uh, business owner groups, as well as groups of seniors, people that want to talk with you. Uh, What's the best way for uh, our audience to get in touch with you? The best way, and yes, I'm available, and yes, my mission, as I said before, is to get this information out to every one of the audiences and their groups and their members. The best way is to go through my email site. Uh, I'm right now in the process of redoing my website, but you can get to me my email, and let me give it to you. K-J-B-K-O-R-N. K-J-B-K-O-R-N at AOL. Very easy. KJB K O R N at AOL dot com. You always you have great great uh, ambition uh, for helping a lot of people. I know that, and we've talked about this before. And we really appreciate you coming on again. Your book is called Your One Hundred Year Heart, and uh, it's available on Amazon as well. Correct. Correct. Absolutely correct. Um, yes, yes. Absolutely. It's my mission now. Real pleasure to talk with you again. Thank you so much for joining us again, and uh, look forward to the next time we speak. Thanks, Bill. Uh, Same to you. All right. Take care. We're going to take a short break. We'll be right back after this, so stay with us. Business owners, if you came back from lunch and there was a resignation letter on your desk, which employee would you really, really not want it to be from? What are you doing to prevent this from happening? At Exit and Retirement Strategies, we design plans that attract, motivate, and retain key employees. For a free consultation, call Bill Black, the Exit Coach, at 866-370-3774. Call today. Does thinking about what will happen to your business if you're gone keep you awake at night? Will you get the price you need from your business to carry you through retirement? The BEI Network of Exit Planning Professionals is the world's leading advisor network with the power to help business owners transition out of business on their own timeline and terms. Ask your most trusted advisor to create a BEI plan for you or visit us at ExitPlanning.com. That's ExitPlanning.com. Thank you for listening to Exit Coach Radio. 